Pastor Ray Bentley highlights an encounter a demon-possessed man had with Jesus. He's engaging the living Son of God. He's answering questions. He doesn't realize Jesus has got his hands on the door latch that is locked, and he's breaking the lock in his hands and about ready to rip it open and cast those demons out and set that man free, 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 free. Spread Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's own return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We've all heard the verse, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The first he in the sentence is Jesus. The second he is our spiritual adversary. Well, today, Pastor Ray brings us to a moment when both sides essentially have an encounter. A demon-possessed man meets Jesus and is never the same again. So, if you would, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5. And this is a, a well-known story a dram- and a dramatic story. And I, I gave it a kind of a funny title there. Losing Your Pigs is the title of the message. And we will talk about not only the Lord delivering this individual of uh, demonic powers that were in his life, uh, but where it happened was extremely significant uh, in the Lord's ministry and his plans. Uh, There's a lot of spiritual activity, obviously, and and, uh, supernatural activity, uh, demonic activity, as well as angelic activity around the first coming of the Messiah. And you know that I believe we are very close to the second coming of the Messiah. Therefore, I also believe that we are currently and even presently living in a time uh, not only where prophecy physically upon the earth, uh, historically, geopolitically is accelerating, but in the spiritual arena, in the spiritual battle that, that hovers all around us, I believe that there is also acceleration of activity. And uh, therefore, what does the Lord want for his church who is alive during such a time uh, to do? And, and I do believe that he wants us to press in and spend time sitting at his feet in his presence. That we might uh, enter into and experience the, the glory of the Lord. All right, Gospel of Mark chapter five. And by the way, I am loving being in the gospels, aren't you? I just love being right there with Jesus as he leads us and guides us, teaches us and disciples us. So in the gospel of Mark uh, chapter five, beginning with verse one, it says, and then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had pulled, been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces 
Neither could anyone tame him. Now, if we go back to um, the context of what has just happened at the last part of chapter four, we, we go to an earlier part of the very same day that this event took place. And earlier that day, as Jesus had been teaching us, he had been ministering, he then says to the disciples toward the afternoon, let's get into the boat and let's go to the other side. Do you remember that? He gave the word, we're going to the other side. And then the experience there and their fright and this big storm that arises and Jesus rebuking the wind and the waves. So there's a storm uh, that has come to them, though Jesus has said, this is the direction that we're going to go. And I think there's so many uh, applications of that for our own lives. Sometimes we think when there's opposition, opposing forces and opposing winds, oh, this must not be the will of the Lord. In fact, that may actually be confirmation that God uh, wants you to go that direction, that you are uh, with the Lord in the boat, headed according to his will, getting to the other side to accomplish his goals and his purposes for your life. And he's with you. So it can be confirmation. I mentioned that I was planning to go to Egypt. And as soon as I, right around the time that I had decided, okay, Lord, I feel you called me to go to Egypt, I'm going to go to Egypt. And then I had all kinds of physical ailments, uh, as many of you had, you know, the, the cough that wouldn't go away for like three months, and then I got an ear infection, and that wouldn't go away for three months. And, you know, I was getting close to the time to go, and I thought, Lord, do you want me to go? And then, you know, to, to add further uh, conflict, every day on the news, every time Egypt came up, you know, there, there was riots, and there's shooting, and there's, you know, things happening. And then it gets even closer to the time where I'm to get on the plane and they start arresting Americans. And so I start getting emails from all my, you know, wonderful brothers and sisters. Are you sure? Is this God's will? Are you supposed to go? Is this the right time? And so it did make me evaluate. And, and that's not a bad thing. I think it's always good to say, am I going out of my own will or my own, out of my flesh? Or Lord, is this you? And so over and over and over and over again, the Lord just confirmed, I've called you, I'll be with you, I'm going to take care of you, it's going to be okay. And literally the time, you know, as I mentioned, that Vicky and I were shopping, getting the last minute little things and, and little, these little nugget bars I was going to take with me to Egypt uh, to, to help me survive. And um, <laughs> right about the time we're, we're kind of running around, getting all that stuff and packing my suitcase and getting on the plane and going. And I forgot about it, but as I got on the plane, as I went and got there, it was several days later, I realized my cough is gone, my ear doesn't hurt, I'm totally fine. <laughs> so I look back on that experience and say, was, here's how I perceive it, that the enemy knew where I was headed to do something for the kingdom that was going to make a difference in a group, especially of these young people that are helping plant churches they planted 170 churches or so in the last four years. And I, I felt like, in a sense, it was a storm coming against me. Uh, and yet the Lord's saying, keep going. So I, I share that with you as a word of encouragement, that as you humbly listen to the Lord, as God speaks to you, and, and, and you feel that confirmation that you're to go, you should be open, you should listen, you should evaluate, you should get input, but if you have the peace and comfort that you're to go, don't let the storm stop you from God's will. Amen? So here's a similar situation. Now, it gets toward the end of the day, 
And, and honestly, I believe as they, they left, the sun was setting. And this is a very uh, vivid, radical, I mean, here in church, maybe not as much, especially here. We go through the Bible verse by verse, and we are used to seeing these encounters. Uh, you know, I have, for many years, uh, I, I'm familiar with spiritual warfare and battles and have had experiences of the supernatural and of the demonic. And I know in the, in the big world out there, they think, oh, this is games, it's uh, mental things, it's, uh, and, and sometimes it can be. Uh, sometimes it can be mental issues, it can be emotional instability, it can be other physical problems and maybe chemical imbalances or whatever. But I have also, I, I have the Holy Spirit in me and I have seen I have experienced uh, the demonic that is very, very real. And, um, and I, I'm sure that many of you have as well. And so to add to this, this particular story stands out. It's a vivid a graphic story. It's a very eerie story. It happened late in the evening uh, or when night had fallen. So this, you know, you're finally in the darkness coming to the other side of the lake. By the way, the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and at its widest, maybe about eight miles wide. It's not huge, uh, but uh, it, it is still, once you are out there and especially at night in the darkness, even if they were at a shorter part of the lake going across and it was only five or six miles, when you're out in the middle of the water like that, it's a scary and frightening thing. And then it's dark, and then you come, uh, your boat is coming up to a place where in the limestone are rock uh, caves, and many of those rock caves have been turned into tombs where they are filled with dead bodies. So it's a weird, eerie, scary thing. And then they are met by a demon-possessed man I'm hearing the coyotes are howling. You know, it's just like giving that, the, your, your, the hair in your neck is rising up and then you hear chains rattling. And Jesus is climbing out of the side of the boat. I'm getting right behind him, you know, as we walk forward. And he's going, rather than going sideways or rather than getting into the boat and saying, let's go find another place to land. Jesus is going directly toward the weird, eerie, howling, demonic cries from a tormented individual. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. It's such a blessing to hear from our radio listeners who found biblical help and hope through this ministry. Dear Ray Bentley, I was at a very low time in my life, a time when I was starting to question the existence of God. I felt as if God was nowhere in my time of need. I received one of your radio offers about discouragement. It opened my eyes and showed me that God was everywhere. In fact, I see now that God allowed me to endure this time of pain to strengthen my love and commitment toward Him. It's funny how God works sometimes. Right when you think He's nowhere to be found, there He is. How have these studies in God's Word had an impact on your life or impacted your family? Would you drop Pastor Ray an email and let him know? Write ray at raybentley.com. That's ray at raybentley.com. It would be such an encouragement to hear from you today. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So no doubt the disciples are following, they're with Jesus, and, and, and again, a sign for our times. There are many frightening things happening right now. 
And in the spiritual arena, just as in the, in the natural, when we've been to Africa and you have sometimes these young, literally uh, teenagers who are, are walking through you know, the open areas where there's lions and leopards and other animals of prey, and you will see a teenage, young, maybe 13 years old boy with a staff, and he is walking through, and there's lions out there. We went for a little um, one-day uh, photo safari on the edge one time when we first went to Uganda. So we're inside of these trucks, you know, and, we're, and they drive out where you can see some animals, take some pictures, and, and you're, I'm kind of scared. We drove up close to where there was a little, you know, a little pack of lions and they're looking at us and I'm scared they're going to jump in and eat me. That's a, I'm thinking, this is like a Snickers bar for these guys. They're going to just come eat me. But then we see a boy. And, and so when you see a boy walking out in the cattle and then the lions look over there, they don't do anything. And you go, okay, explain this to me. I mean, there's, there's like lunch walking through with a little, you know, young teenager and you say, I, I don't get this. How come the lions don't attack uh, that? And they say, because the lions, even though that, that boy is a teenager, he carries, they have a rod, it's about this long, made of wood, and it's got a big knot on the end of it, as big as a man's fist. And with one swing of that, it's a root, with one swing of that, he can crush a lion's skull. And somehow the lions know that. <laughs> and they sense that, and they leave uh, the cattle or whatever it is that's walking through with those uh, teenage, you know, young men as they're going through. And the other thing is that if you, and so they have to train their, their youth, whatever you do, don't turn your back and run from the lion. If you turn your back on a lion and run, what instantly is triggered in the lion? He starts chasing you. So the boys, they see, they know, they're aware, and they just look, and they're carrying their rod. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me, and they're, they, you can't act afraid or look afraid. Look, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you are afraid and walking in your flesh and compromised and not rocking with Jesus, and you turn and you run, he's gonna come and he's gonna devour you. But if you are walking in the spirit and you are walking not in your own strength or righteousness, but walking in your position in Christ Jesus, you can go directly even to, not afraid, but to a place where the enemy may have a stronghold because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He is with you and the devil is not afraid of you, <laughs> uh, but he is afraid, terrified of the one who dwells inside of you. So this is a perilous place. It's a dark hour a dangerous man, and a Roman legion. When it finally, as we find out, Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, legion. That's very interesting. We know that a, a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. Now, does that mean this man had 6,000 demons in him? No, not necessarily. But let me also say it doesn't mean he only had one either. This man was, the best word for it was, infested with demons, which are called unclean, filthy spirits that, that take over and dominate and use and abuse a human being mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, in any way that they can, because they don't love you. They only want to use you. So here's the situation as we come. So again, here's what I see in the first four verses. 
I see the, the uh, several things. Number one, the limitations of society when dealing with spiritual warfare issues. Look with me again in verse three. It says, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. So society had done their best. They had captured the guy. They had bound him. They had put shackles on him and chains on him. And the chains had been pulled apart and the shackles broken in pieces Neither could anyone tame him. Apparently, society was not able to do much for this man. Now, let me say it wasn't that they had not tried. They had tried. As I look around our own uh, world, our generation, and our society, there are people that are being used and abused by the devil, and society is doing its best uh, to help the situation. And they try, but they don't, they're not always able to do it. And in particular, if they're dealing with an individual who, who has been taken captive by filthy, demonic spirits, until someone who has the authority and the power and the presence of Jesus Christ to deliver them from that demonic stronghold, uh, they are going to be in trouble. The best that society could do for this man 2,000 years ago was isolate him. They, somehow, some way, they got him to where he was away from where generally the people lived, and he was off in the, in the caves and the tombstones. Uh, he was by himself. And the truth is that there is a spiritual battle going on all around us. You, as a believer in Jesus Christ, have the authority of Christ and the word of God within you uh, to pray for people in the name of Jesus, by the power of his name, the authority of his name, and by the blood of Jesus to deliver people from that stronghold. Amen? If we're willing and if we're able. And um, even when I was a young believer, I mean, I, you know, back in my own days in high school, I had my friends that were experimenting with drugs and we're experimenting into various kinds of this, you know, the occult, uh, wanting to experience something other than just the physical world. They wanted to, you know, where, what's out there? And drugs are a pathway to the demonic. So then we discover uh, what Satan does to a person. Look with me in verse five. It says, and always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and what? Cutting himself with what? Stones. We have a phenomenon today called cutting. Uh, now, it doesn't mean every person that's done that is demon-possessed. But as it is true that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, the, the devil hates you as a horrible plan for your life. Whereas the Lord came to bring life and that more abundantly, and the devil came to rob and steal and destroy. And, and he makes us, therefore, self-destructive. This man was tormented. His ultimate mission is to destroy. That's the devil's ultimate mission. And demons are unclean spirits. I want you to read John 10, 10 with me. And this is a foundational scripture. Let's read it out loud together. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now just... These men had yielded uh, in some way to Satan. They lost 
everything, their families, homes, lives, friendships, and their joy of living. Never underestimate the power of sin. Never underestimate the power, the destructive power of the devil. But then we experience what uh, Jesus, the presence of Jesus does for us as well. And I want you to notice Jesus went directly toward these men. He did not go around them. He did not go away from them. He did not avoid them. If you're his disciple, he may lead you to someone that you, wow, I really don't need this today. <laughs> I really don't want this. But he may lead you that way. Some believe that the storm of opposition that had come that, that night that they were going across the lake may have even had a demonic origin or that at the very least Satan was trying to use it to discourage Jesus from coming to a place where he held men captive. But Jesus, knowing that, said, we're going to the other side and no storm will stop me from doing my Father's will. And as I mentioned, I've had experiences like that where opposition is not necessarily God saying no, it may actually be confirmation that you are headed in the right direction. So Jesus does come to them. He, he comes to those that everyone else has left alone. He speaks to them. He respects this man, asks him questions, listens to his answers. He permitted him even to speak, though he was demon-possessed. He engaged him in a conversation and in a relationship. The, the, how does the enemy get people? We have a lot of young people that end up taking their lives, not only young people, people of all ages now, that, that get so isolated and so alone, and here's what the enemy is hoping for, that no one will call, no one will care, no one will check in on you, and, and he beats it into your head, even if you took your life, no one would notice, or it would make no difference, you don't matter. And, that, and he's, he's got you where he wants you. So that is not the desire of our Father who made us in his own image and likeness. And here is a precious uh, you know, man made in God's image who is bound and captive by the, the devil and by the enemy. And he sends his son through a storm straight on to talk to that man. Even while he's talking to that man, yes, tormented you know, momentarily by the demons, but he's engaging the living son of God. He's answering questions. He doesn't realize Jesus has got his hands on the door latch uh, that is locked and he's breaking the lock in his hands and about ready to rip it open and cast those demons out and set that man free, 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 free. So the Lord uses his sons and daughters because the whole purpose wasn't for Jesus to stay here on the earth for the next 2,000 years. He discipled and trained men that have been passed on from 20 centuries ago until now. You and I are his disciples that are to go forward into this world that has people of a variety of different uh, strongholds and so forth, and we are to set the captives free. Amen. Pastor Ray Bentley pointing out how we're to follow Jesus' example in setting the spiritual captives free. Good insight from our studies in the Gospel of Mark today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Losing Your Pigs. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. 
When you get there, under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email, free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his latest book called The Threshing Floor, a prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full series called The Elijah Chronicles. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.